you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I'm excited. I want to dive into today's message. I've got a few moments to spend with you, and uh, we're in week three of a series called Gear Up, and we're unpacking a passage of Scripture uh, where Paul, one of the main writers of the New Testament, he told us how to fight spiritual battles. And and we get this, right, because we fight physical battles. If we get a, a virus, our body goes into overdrive to fight the infection on the inside, and we also fight emotional battles when we deal with rejection or discouragement. We fight through getting emotionally healthy, but the truth is we're also fighting spiritual battles, whether or not you believe or agree or know that. In fact, as much as there is a God in heaven who loves you, who's given you purpose and created you, there's also a devil in hell who's doing everything he can to destroy your life. And the problem is in this room, there's a pendulum that swings one of two directions. Some people in here over-mystify and go over the top, and, and, and maybe your image of Satan is more like this. Beelzebub. And you're thinking of like the horns coming out and creepy fire. And, and while there might be some truth to this, maybe you go over the top and there's demons in your frosted flakes and your flat tire had a demon in it. And, and so we can over mystify that. But at the same time, we can also allow the pendulum to swing the other direction. And maybe this is more along the lines of what your image of Satan is. This is a cute little guy in red spandex and a pitchfork. First service laughed a lot harder at this picture than you did. But regardless, the Bible says that there is an enemy who is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we ignore the spiritual reality behind the physical battles that we face, it's like rolling out the welcome mat and opening the front door of our lives to the enemy to run rampant under the surface. So in an attempt to bring some practical explanation to Paul's very fundamental teaching on the armor of God. We're taking this passage of scripture from Ephesians 6 where Paul uses the metaphor of a Roman soldier's armor to illustrate how we're to put on a spiritual armor and prepare for battle. In week one, my wife talked about putting on the belt of the truth, which holds all of the armor together. The truth is the foundation of the truth of God's word, that that is our truth. Nothing else, not what culture decides, not what our emotions decide, not what our logic decides, but the word of God. And last week we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and that we're not bound to live or strive after perfect righteousness or comparative righteousness, but God's imputed righteousness through Jesus paved the way for us. And if you missed those, thankfully because of Tanner, you can listen to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about the next portion of the armor of God, but this is the scripture that we're using. It's Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 and 11. I want to draw your attention to three words in this verse. Look at what it says right here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So he is our strength and we just lean in to him. And verse 11 says this, put on the, what's that word right there? Whole. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, stay that word, stand, come on second service, better than first service, that you may be able to stand against the, say that word, schemes of the devil. The three words I want to point out for a moment is whole, 
stand and schemes. So Paul is saying there's multiple components to this armor. We need all of it, not just one little piece or not what we think is good for now, but we need the whole armor of God. And he says that we can stand, just stand. It doesn't say storm the gates of hell. It doesn't say run in and fight the devil. Just stand. The greatest thing we can do as a follower of Christ is simply don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel, but just simply stand. Look at this next word. It says schemes. Stand against the schemes, which means the enemy has a playbook on your life. He knows your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, your strengths, and your weaknesses. And he is scheming, planning, plotting every second of every minute of every hour of every day to literally bring destruction to your life. But we don't have to succumb to that. That's why we're talking about the armor of God so that we can stand. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we jump into today? God, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that you have plans for us. We thank you that, God, the greatest days of our life are right here, right now, and ahead of us, not in what we've lived, not in what we've experienced, not in our shortcomings, not in our frustrations, but right here, right now. So, God, I pray you'd open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive whatever it is you want to say and do in and through us today. We thank you for that now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, today we're unpacking the next component of the armor of God. We're reading this from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. So Paul goes on and says, Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, this is strange, isn't it? He's talking about an armor. We have the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, right? The breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace. It's somewhat confusing, isn't it? Like, what does this even mean? The shoes of peace. Like, how does this even pertain? And why the shoes? Why peace? Why, Paul, why are you using this as a metaphor all of the things that are written are for our purpose, and they have an intention. And I think we'll miss it unless we explore the Roman soldier's actual armor. You see, his shoes were unlike any other shoes at the time. They were kind of a mixture between a sandal and a combat boot. So it would be all around his toes and his foot, and it would go about halfway up his shin, and it had ornate designs cut in so it could breathe and so that his feet didn't stink. Can I get an Amen. And on the bottom of his shoes, they literally, they, they poked nails or like cleats that were metal from the inside pointing out, similar to a soccer cleat or a football cleat. But it was made of pure metal. And, and, and the reason that they did this is because they weren't sure what type of terrain the soldiers were going to encounter in battle. It could have been the terrain of a pasture or a field. It could have been a beach. It could have been a hillside, but it also could have been a rocky terrain that they would have needed the cleats to dig in and press forward. Dig in and press forward. Because they weren't sure of what type of terrain they would face. And can I just suggest to you that we don't ever know what type of terrain we're going to face when it comes to the crisis and chaos in life? Wouldn't it be amazing if like, you knew, hey, this month something terrible is going to happen, but you get to choose what it is. 
Okay, awesome. I'm going to choose I run out of gas. That's it. Woohoo! I'll call a friend. We'll be good. We don't get to do that, do we? We don't choose what kind of crisis we face. Life just happens, doesn't it? Life just happens. And maybe some of you in this room, like me, have experienced your share of rocky terrain that you weren't necessarily prepared for. Perhaps it was signing of divorce papers for a marriage that you thought for sure was going to last until death did you part. Or maybe you sat in a doctor's office as a doctor gave you a diagnosis that you weren't even ready to hear, let alone I've been not going to the doctor because I wasn't ready to know about what it is you're about to tell me. Or maybe it's the challenge of a, a grown child who, you know, you raised them better and now they're just not making the choices that you raised them to make. Or maybe it's a grown parent that's not making the choices that grown parents don't laugh at me. Can I get an amen for having some crazy grown parents? Yeah. You didn't raise your hand. You are the crazy grown parent. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't get to choose the terrain that we face. And that's why Paul is saying we need the shoes of peace that we can dig in and take a step. To, we can stand firm. Listen, in this passage of scripture, in seven verses, Paul says four times to stand. Seven verses, seven sentences. And he repeats himself four times, just stand. In fact, in the original translation, he used the word shod, that your shoes would be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And the word shod means to bind to your feet. So apparently Paul thought that this idea and concept of peace was rather important so much so that he says, tie it, bind it to your feet so that no matter what comes your way, you can stand. Stand. And this makes sense. Because I believe of all the things that the enemy wants to steal from your life and my life, peace is at the top of the list. At the top of the list. He intentionally stirs up division and discord. Not just internally, but with the people that are around us. Guys, his calling card is chaos and turmoil, confusion, worry, and anxiety. That's his calling card. That's how he works. It's no surprise. He loves confusion. He loves discord. When people are fighting against each other as opposed to fighting for the cause on the inside. He loves to stir that stuff up. Not just inside you, but with those that are around you. And if he can erode the peace of your life, then it will actually inevitably begin to affect everything. You ever face a deadline at work? And the stress was high, and you find yourself yelling at your kids. Anyone? Raise your hand. I don't. I'm praying for y'all now. That is horrible. Take a picture. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right? You ever had the out external stress? Oh, man. Somebody's like, I can't believe I raised my hand. The external stress and chaos of life, and then all of a sudden, for the last three months, you and your spouse have been fighting, and you never fought like this. And it doesn't even have anything to do with her, you think. I'm kidding has everything to do with something outside. Because on the top of the list of the devil's priority is to steal your peace and mine. Hey, look, mark it down. You can put it in your calendar. Anytime peace is lacking, 
you can be sure the enemy is at work. Hey, listen to me. Anytime you have a lack of peace, you know this, the enemy is at work. His calling cards are chaos, confusion, turmoil, crisis. So how does this whole thing relate to the shoes of peace? Why did Paul say to put on the shoes of peace? Why is this included into the armor of God? I want to talk about three things that God's peace does for our life. Three things. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write these down. and You can actually text the word notes to the number that will probably be on the screen in a moment. And by the way, if you've been in our church for more than one week, just go ahead and log that number in. I don't know if you know this. We use it every Sunday making it as easy as possible. And sometimes you might not remember what verse we preached. And if you'll text the word notes, it'll send it to you so you'll find it in your phone. And I know all of you look at your phone every day. If you have an iPhone or an Android or to work, if you have a flip phone, we have a booth set up outside for prayer for you later. We'll talk about three things that God's peace does in our life. Number one, God's peace protects. Everybody say protects. His peace is a guard. The original Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Shalom. And let me just tell you, this word does not refer to the absence of chaos. Listen to this. This word has, it actually means that it's deeply entrenched, a deeply entrenched sense of harmony, health, and wholeness in the midst of chaos. The Hebrew word shalom does not mean, for peace, it does not mean the absence of chaos, But it means a sense of, man, everything is going to be all right in the midst of chaos. It's a stillness on the inside. And true peace, let me just tell you this, true peace is detected and measured against the backdrop of commotion and confusion. True peace is detected and measured against the backdrop of commotion and confusion. That's how you know if there's truly peace in your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, when God's peace is locked in your life, it will become your source of protection and a guard for your life. In fact, a great question that you can ask yourself is, if I'm wearing the shoes of peace, like Paul talked about, a great indicator is if you experience peace beyond comprehension in the midst of a great storm or trial. If you in this moment or in this life, when you walk through challenges and trials, if in the midst of that you experience a peace that blows your mind, that doesn't make sense, then you're walking in the gospel of peace. You're walking with the shoes of peace on. And I just want to challenge you, if this isn't something you're experienced, then you are searching for it because we're hardwired to need peace. The problem is if we're not experiencing God's peace in our life, we're looking for it anywhere we can find it. In material wealth and strength, in title and acclaim, in our children, in our marital status, in our accomplishments. And then the problem is eventually that doesn't give me peace, this doesn't give me peace, that doesn't give me peace. And then I begin to fight battles I was never created to fight. Or I die on a hill that I was never created to die on. Great question to ask yourself is, do I experience peace in the midst of a crisis and a peace that blows my mind? The 
God's peace is protection. Let me tell you this. God's peace is also accessible, but it's optional. And that's an important component. Listen, I think a lot of times we get this thing backward. I think we're often expecting God to kind of shove things down our throats. Well, you need to do this and don't do that and do this and change this. Do it quick. Turn or burn. Get right or get left. Anybody ever heard those? Yeah, awesome. Get right or get left. That's not our slogan, just to let y'all know that. And we think God's like out to shove things down our throats, but that's never the way that God works. In fact, more often than not, he's saying, hey, this is available for you. Grace, hope, joy, mercy, love, it's all, it's yours, but you have to take it. Anytime we read the word, the word, word shows the promises for you and for me. And I love what John chapter 14 says. Now, this is Jesus speaking. And so if you've got an old school Bible with paper pages, this writing is in red. Look at what Jesus is saying in John chapter 14. It says this, peace I leave with you, period. End of story. Take it to the bank. That's a promise. He goes on and says, my peace give to you. I love how he he knows that we're going to struggle with this. He knows that we're really going to be frustrated with this. So he follows that line. He says, I'm going to leave peace with you. I'm giving you my peace. And then the next line, he says this, I don't give it to you as the world gives it to you. See, the world gives things with strings attached. The world gives things with conditions. You go to your place of employment not just because you love it, but because they pay you. Some of you may love it, but if they stop paying you, it may change what it is you do. Didn't get enough of amens right there, but I feel, I feel like you feel that. So a lot of times we equate the way that the world works to the way that God must be. Well, if I don't have peace, it's because I don't pray enough. I'm not attending church long enough. or I mean, I just don't know enough Bible verses. But no, Jesus said, I give you peace. It's accessible to you. And then he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And yet, so many believers, so many Christ followers live in a place of worry and anxiety. And can I just tell you that I, as I was prepping for this, I almost didn't even want to say that line. Because the moment I tell you, if you're here today and you say, man, I, I, I'm a Christ follower. And if you're here and you're not, permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here and you're a Christ follower and I say that the Christ peace is accessible to you. And yet you still struggle with anxiety and worry and doubt and fear. Then for many of us in this room, right there in that moment when I said that, you thought, then what's wrong with me? If his peace is accessible, why don't I experience peace? You know, the way that the enemy works, he'll come in and try to bring confusion. And he'll whisper words like, maybe your faith isn't strong enough. Maybe you haven't been good enough. Well, if you hadn't made that choice, then you probably would experience anxiety. That's the way that the enemy works. Look at me. But that's not what Jesus said. My peace I give to you. Can I share a story with you that I almost didn't share with first service? Is that okay, second service? Can we do that now? I've been born and raised in the church. 
my dad and mom were pastors, married a preacher's daughter, and and then my grandfather was a pastor. I mean, literally been in church my whole life. Know every Bible story, know the whole thing. About four and a half, five years ago, I was struggling hard with depression and anxiety. Not cute anxiety. You ever had cute anxiety? Like, <gasps> I'm talking like, <laughs> you ever had, everybody had a, anybody ever had a panic attack? Yeah. Pull up to a stoplight and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, and I can't breathe. And my wife looks over and I'm like, what is wrong with you? I was like, well, thanks. I'm kidding. She didn't sound like that. Yeah, she did. She did. I would wake up every morning not feeling like P. Diddy. And, <laughs> and, uh, I would have this this sinking feeling in my gut that I wasn't good enough. Every day. Every day. It doesn't matter what I do, it's never going to work. And I just carried it. Like for years. I was at a conference and a pastor was talking and he began to explain these symptoms and every line that he said is, I would feel like this, and I would feel like that. Everything he said, I was like, that's how I feel. And that's, man, that's what I'm walking through. And then I just thought the, this thought, literally, I, th- I thought, well, I just thought that was normal. And he said, and you just thought that that's normal. And I took this deep breath and realized, man, I, I may have something here that's undealt with. It's not peace. And I went through about three and a half, four months of Christian counseling. By the grace of God and an amazing wife and an awesome therapist named Jerry, man, I, I began to experience peace. So look at me for a moment. This is not a place to point the finger of condemnation. If you're in this room and you're not experiencing peace, but you're a Christ follower, that you would feel horrible about your life. But to recognize and know that it is accessible to you. It may take some work. The greatest things in life some work and you know what's so amazing about God he always follows his promises with how to get there (laughs) it's crazy it's in the word the problem is most Christians don't read the Bible (laughs) Philippians chapter 4 Paul the same guy who writes I I gotta wear a belt when I wear these pants I got issues today my belt is my issue Paul, the same writer who talks about the armor of God, he writes about how to experience peace in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Look at this. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't you love it if you're feeling anxious? Somebody says, well, don't be anxious. You just want to slap them or punch them in the throat? That works. Do not be anxious about anything. Paul's saying you don't have to. But then he just says, here's how to avoid the anxiety and the stress and the confusion and the crisis and the worry and the fear and the doubt in life. He says, but in everything, prayer. Prayer. And and again, I I say this often because it's such a concern to me that so often we, we look at prayer as a last resort. I think sometimes we overcomplicate prayer. Well, how do I pray? these three things I pray to see thee more clearly. No, nobody, that was a lot funnier than the two of you laughed. 
We don't know. We overcomplicate. How do we speak? And is there a certain language? Do I have to say these and thous? And what do I say? Can I tell you how I pray? I mean, this is literally how I pray every day by day by day. This is how I pray. Hey, God, I, I'm right now I'm, I'm struggling. They're not laughing as hard as they were in first service. Seriously. And I don't know if this is making sense. And truthfully, even while I'm preaching, God, I don't, I don't feel like I'm good enough. But so, God, would you help me to remember this isn't about what people think, but it's about what you're going to do. I, I just need your help. I literally just pray that right now. And that's how prayer works. We don't have to overcomplicate it. If God can handle the sin of humanity, he can handle your anger with him. You can bring that in prayer too. If God can handle the sin in humanity, he can handle your lack of faith. God, I don't have the faith to believe you can do this yet, but I want to. He can handle that. If God can handle the sin of humanity, he can handle a fragmented relationship that feels like it's not working. When crisis comes in, we resort to prayer. And then Paul, he finishes this verse saying how to do that but in everything by prayer and look at this and everybody say that word supplication with what's that word thanksgiving let your request be made known to God you know what supplication means it just means your request hey God this is what I need and here's a great way to request I don't have the answer God this is what I'm facing and the odds seem completely against me. And honestly, God, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if you can do this or not. God can handle that. In fact, this is how the writer of Philippians is saying we battle stress and anxiety and worry and doubt and fear. This is the very words of God for you. Just bring the request. But then he goes on and he says, with thanksgiving. See, a lot of times... We want to just bring the request, and then the requests turn into complaints, and then what we're really saying is, God, I'll have faith if you do what I ask you to do. And so our life becomes about what we're frustrated with because we don't have what we prayed about, God. If all we do is make requests, then we just accidentally slip into complaining. I took my kids the other day to Pizza Port and Yogurtland. Best day. Their year should be set. Pizza Port, Jesus lives there, and the Holy Spirit lives at Yogurtland. We're good. Just load up on some Fruity Pebbles and peanut butter cups on 18 different flavors of ice cream. And it's yogurt, so it's actually healthy. We got home, and my youngest said, hey, can we watch a movie? I said, no. She was like, oh. I was like, shut your mouth. Everything in life was given to you today. <laughs> If we're not careful, we do that same thing with God. That's why the writer comes back and says, with thanksgiving. God, this crisis is here, and I, I don't know how to handle it. I want to believe you can. Would you do whatever this is? Would you help? Would you get in the middle of this? But no matter what, I'm grateful. Because you're faithful. No matter what I face, I know 
you won't leave me nor forsake me. And that's good news to me. So God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. And even though some of the relationships I'm in are fragmented, I'm grateful for the great relationships I do have. And here's another one you can say every day. God, I have the greatest senior pastor ever in the history. That's a good one. That's a, amen. Thank you. That wasn't even from my wife. That was awesome. Now I feel good about myself. Y'all tracking with me? And sometimes we just overplay this thing, and, and we're riddled with anxiety. All we got to do is say, God, can you move? But regardless, I'm thankful for you. And look at the verse follows up. Look at what the, this is. So God gave us a promise, and then here's what happens. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me just share a story, another one with you. I've shared it before. Two and a half years ago, my dad was battling cancer. He had it for about two years. It kind of just started spreading all over his body. Crazy, bad. In and out of the hospital, and kidneys completely failed, liver on its way out, cancer in his ribs, bones, starting his prostate, just kind of went everywhere. Sat in front of a doctor, and the doctor said, I, I don't actually know how you're still here. And my older brother had the courage to ask, well, do you have a time frame? He said, if he makes it two weeks, it'll be a miracle. Crisis. 64, young guy. And I called my dad two weeks before he passed away. I mean, everything was shutting down in his body. Everything, man. And I don't know, I apologize. I don't know if you've been around that with someone you care about deeply. It's hard. And I called him. I was here. I just flown home. And I knew that the last time I saw him, I got to film him saying stuff to my kids. I knew it was probably the last time I'd see him. I said, Dad, how you doing? He said, Gary, I've never been better. He said, I love your mom more than I've ever loved her. And this morning, I woke up, and I, I read the word, and I prayed, and I had this, this worship moment with God. He said, I've never been more in love with my Savior than I am now. And I thought, man, that's peace. Right? <laughs> I apologize. That's peace. In the midst of an overwhelming crisis. And it's available to you. No matter what it is you're walking through. No matter how long you have been walking with the Lord. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but as I give. It's accessible, but it's optional. Accessible, but it's optional. And this is what God has for you. The first thing is God's peace protects. The second is his peace is accessible, but optional. And the third is that God's peace is a guide. His peace is a guide. That's why Paul said, put on the shoes of peace so you can stand firm and take a step. Stand firm and take a step. Stand firm and take a step. So God gave us peace so we can know how to navigate through things, the challenges that we're facing that we don't actually have the answer to. 
Because candidly, guys, sometimes we, we face scenarios that it's not right or wrong. It's just which way am I supposed to go? Do I take the job or not take the job? Do we sell the home or not sell the home? I'm in college and I'm trying to figure out what degree path. And it's not that this one is evil and this one is holy, but God, what do I do? And then sometimes we face things and it's unsure, uncertain. And what God has done is hardwired peace into you and me. It's programmed into our software that if we lean in to who God is, we can experience that. I love there's a verse in Isaiah. Would you help me out with that? I jumped past it for a moment, but check this out. Isaiah 26, and we'll circle back to this at the end. It says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That word stayed literally means to lean on, to balance on. That he is my strength, not my career, not my relationships, not my finances, not my heritage, but he is my strength. And so he's hardwired peace into our life to help us know how to navigate through the challenges. The red light of conviction means no. When I'm facing something, and I don't know why, but I just feel like it's not right. If I'm a Christ follower and I'm facing a challenge, I'm not sure what it is, but it's just not right, then that's probably an indication that the Holy Spirit is saying, no, not a good decision. He'll do this when it comes to areas of sin that we struggle with. He'll be like, hey, hey, wait, there's better for you. You don't have to go that route. You don't have to do that. There's other. So that's the red light of conviction on the inside just going, no, this doesn't feel right and if you're here today and your recent track record has ended up in trouble then you may need to pull in somebody else with you well it just feels right every day and I've been in trouble for a year and a half well maybe you need to bring in a seasoned believer with you but if on the inside there's just that thing I don't know why but I don't think it's right that's probably the peace of God saying no avoid abort get away it's not a good decision the yellow light of uneasiness means wait. That's, I'm not really sure if it's a yes or a no. I just don't feel settled yet. Then you probably need to pump the brakes and just wait. I believe that more problems that we face in our world and in the church today is because most of us aren't willing to wait. How many of you love the waiting room of a doctor's office? Ain't nobody love that. I get impatient when Amazon Prime now delivers two hours from now instead of 30 minutes, right? Don't judge me. None of us like to wait, but sometimes we need to, probably more often than not. And the Holy Spirit's leaning in, and you just, you just feel an uneasiness. Not a yes, not a no. I'm not. Just wait. Just wait. What about that? Are you in control? No, God is. So just wait. What about if we don't if we don't jump on this right now? Man, what about that? Oh, are you positive? No. Wait. The green light of peace means go. If you're here and you're a Christ follower and you just got this, if you came to me and said, "Hey, I'm I'm really facing some challenges and I'm not sure 
which way to go, what decision. The first question I'm going to ask you is, what does your gut tell you? That's not always right, but it's an indicator. If my gut lines up with the word of God and some spiritual leadership in my life agrees, that's a green light, baby. But if my gut doesn't line up with the word of God, I had a guy one one time come in and say, Pastor, I figured out what to do about my marriage is falling apart. I said, what? He said, I need a new wife. I was like, "Mm, I don't think so. It's got to line up with the word of God. You tracking with me? Green light of peace means go. It's available and accessible for us all, but it's optional. Why wouldn't you want it? The peace that no matter what I face, I can stand firm, dig in, and take a step forward. Stand firm, dig in, take a step forward. Knowing it's not of my own strength, not of my own abilities, but God's strength. I want to circle back to that passage in Isaiah. But I, I paraphrased it. So for the theologians in the room, I am already qualifying. I've paraphrased this. But I actually want you to step outside of South Orange County comfort and read it out loud with me. <laughs> now I really want you to read it loud. First service is pretty good, so you have a high standard to meet. I want you to read this with me, and we paraphrase this in first person. And as we read this, don't think about your neighbor, the person in front of you or behind you, but recognize this is God's promise for you. Isaiah 26, read it out loud with me. You keep me in perfect peace. I can't hear you. When my mind is stayed on you, leaning on you, focused on you, because I trust in you. I will trust in you, Lord, forever. You are my everlasting rock. What a powerful promise for you today and for me. You keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on you, leaning on you, focused on you, because I trust in you. You are my everlasting rock. How many of you would just say, you know what? I could use a little more peace in my life. Would you raise your hand? Look around for a minute. Look at hands everywhere. Do you know why we do that? Because we're attaching an action point to what we've just heard. And we acknowledge, man, I've got some things I can do. Can I pray for us for a moment? Is that cool? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we thank you that you're in this place. Do something miraculous. We need your perfect peace. We struggle with this, God. Truth is, we do. We do. I think sometimes, God, because we, we feel like we've got a better plan or, or that it's dependent upon us and we forget that you're in control. So, God, I just I pray you'd help us to lean into you for real. Not, not just as a game, not as a joke, but that we really lean into you. Not, our, not anything external, not our finances, not our occupation, not a title, not a name, nothing. Just lean into you. God, I just thank you that you're doing that in our life. We really need you. But God, regardless of what we see take place in this life, we're thankful that you remain faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
hey, just 30 more seconds of your time. Let me just talk to those of you who are here that may not be sure what it is that you actually believe. Maybe you're here and you're not sure how to start or where to find this peace or is, is this a God, a God that can actually love me? I mean, do I have to get rid of my past? I'm not even sure if I should be in church. Can I just tell you, man, I told you in the beginning of the service, we want one thing for you specifically, and that is to know God. And it is free. It is easy. God's done all the heavy lifting. You don't have to eradicate your past. You don't have to get rid of anything to get to, to, get to God. You just come to God and let him take care of the rest. And if you're here today and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, it's as simple as saying a statement of faith. And I, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here and you never prayed this prayer very quietly in your own heart, I want to challenge you to pray it with me. No embarrassment. We won't ask you to get out of your seat or come forward. But we want you to experience this peace. And some of you who are here today, you know God, but you've been running from him. And today's the day to come back. I want to challenge you, if that's you, pray that prayer with me. And let's start this thing over. Make a recommitment to God today. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or if it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, I just want you to make this simple prayer your own in the quietness of your own heart to say, Dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. God, I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? I want to experience your peace. And just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.